and welcome to episode 27 of Flowering of the Human Spirit and yes, it's the long-awaited silent disco episode. This podcast is about Edinburgh without its festivals in 2020 and one thing that is missing from our streets this month that by this point in the month of August we would be absolutely up to high dough with annoyance about is silent disco it's just ah it's just a an absolute uh if you work anywhere near the or live anywhere near the grass market then you will probably have like steam shooting out videos right now just thinking about silent disco and uh, and 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 why why the annoyance about silent disco why the anger well i suppose that's something that i wanted to think about because when i started to think about silent disco uh, earlier this month i thought do you know what there's various like things that are those funny little quirks of a place of of the city of edinburgh that and, and that are synonymous with the festivals but they're not part of the festivals they're synonymous with the month of August, but they're nothing to do with anything else. And uh, silent disco is one of them, and it's just this like really divisive phenomenon, I guess. And over the years, you know, a fresh set of people coming to every silent disco tour will have no idea of the cumulative rage that has built up about silent disco, and the cumulative rage that can happen when things are happening every day uh, in your in your space it's not a one-off it's it's your it's your city that you live and work in and and it's not a a singular event that's like that like i don't know like the last night fireworks or uh you know a a a particular one-off event it's it's every day when I was thinking about silent disco, I remember thinking, uh, I remember a, a daily occurrence that happened to me years ago, uh, which wasn't even during the festival. This was out with the festival uh, year, and I thought it would be a good one to to, to mention because it's uh, it just shows that that you know we we do have these kind of things going on uh, in Edinburgh all the time, and sometimes they have a positive and sometimes a negative impact on us and our daily lives. Now I used to work in the um, in the Royal Mail in the in the high street. Um, my, my work was there and uh, I used to walk home walk to work and, and home along the same route every day and part of that route involved heading uh, along the Cowgate and uh, during the festival I would take different routes to, to avoid certain clogged up areas of the streets but the in the main I would always walk home along this route along the Cowgate which involved going down usually Blackfriars Street uh, down to the Cowgate and then turning along and heading along towards the grass market um, or, so that would be my route home And every day, as I'd be walking along, I would just about get to Bannerman's pub. And 
the Cowgate, by the way, is has a sort of underground feel to it, even though it's it's not underground, because there's two large bridges uh, up above the, at the height of the at the height of the top of buildings. Um, so like seven storey buildings and their top two floors are, are above the bridge and then the rest of them are coming right the way down to the cow gate. So you, you feel like you're in a sort of semi-tunnel situation with, with bridges coming over and the pavements are very narrow and it's overall generally the pavements are in quite bad nick and so is the road and if there's a lot of, if, if there's even any people around to be honest on the cowgate then you are um somebody's having to step onto the road and anyway there was this period of time quite a prolonged period of time where at the time where i would be walking home uh, there would be a tour coming the other way and this tour was uh, obviously some sort of spooky ghost tour. Don't know what the deal was, uh, but it was maybe, you know, there's loads of tours in Edinburgh, so ghost tours, historic tours. There's even a ghost bus, which to me is a hilarious, uh, hilarious fixture of the city these days, seeing this ghost bus swinging around with sort of little spooky looking Adam's family curtains and lamps in the, in the windows. And so, yeah, I'd be walking along anyway, along the cow gate. It'd be quite dark uh, because it gets dark here most of the year. It gets dark, starts to get dark between about 5 and 7 p.m., unfortunately, in Scotland. Uh, And so I was walking along and I would come, uh, I would see the tour coming in the distance. And the the tour would be led by a vampire, Uh, usually sort of Nosferatu-y looking um, with with like pale pale skin and big f- rubber ears on wearing a, a sort of robe type deal and uh, that would be uh, that would be coming along the pavement towards t- towards me on the side I was on and it's evening time and it's dark and there's drips coming from the, the underside of the bridges and there's not many people around and then along is coming this big long group of people getting this tour from this vampire and you see them coming towards you on the very narrow pavement so I would be crossing the road every day and every day at that point of the tour there would be a a man dressed up as a sort of it, I don't know what, what it was supposed to be some sort of scary creature uh, in a kilt with a sort of hairy face mask on and he and, and and a monk's hood as well in fact maybe it wasn't a, maybe it wasn't a kilt maybe it was just a big long monk's rope but it was a monk's hood and he would be walking on on the other pavement so i would cross over and just at the point where i'd be crossing over to avoid this tour then on the other side of the road as they're walking along being told some sort of spiel by the vampire this guy would jump out um, with the monk's hood and then pull the hood down and give everybody a fright and everyone would scream right and I, 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 rem- I actually don't even remember the first time that it happened because when something happens every day and like it's you know it was obviously quite funny to see it happen every day but um 
it, it became quite monotonous and then eventually to the point where it was just quite annoying coming towards this you're crossing the road the quite narrow road on the other side of the road there's a guy hiding who is like there to jump out and give everybody a fright and that's his job and he's hiding in the same place every day and then there's me and like I'm just sort of like trying to figure out whether I should like hang back or just keep walking or like you know every day I'm sort of like muttering to myself why didn't I just go a different way you know oh god this again and uh, you know because you tend to be leaving home leaving to go home round about the same time ish every day uh, you know it, it just happened and, and I would just be like setting out to go home and, and not thinking oh this is going to happen again so yeah so this guy this hairy faced masked guy uh, in, in a robe uh, this sort of pantomime that would happen every every day and and they were you know the people always got a fright as well it was really good I think it was just because of the atmosphere of the cow gate being dark and spooky and so everybody would be screaming when this guy jumped out and then over time as it sort of became it became monotonous and and, and I would try to like strike a balance between not disrupting it but also not and not ending up getting caught up in it and also not like you know not letting it completely like disrupt my 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 day by having to wait until they'd gone past because uh, they weren't moving very fast either you know that's the thing about tours you know sort of crawling along and then the, the guys waiting in the place for them to arrive so you know I would sometimes be like trying to hurry past quickly before the moment came where they would jump out and uh, over time like what they ended up doing was they sort of tried to end up like incorporating me into the, the into the act and it was it was just quite ridiculous because I, I think at, like at first I thought it was funny and then I just found it annoying and what they would do so the guy would jump out right and 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 then and scare the the people and I would be sort of hanging back waiting to go past to go home and um they would uh, and then the guy would like then turn around as I was coming along the pavement and he would moon me with his uh, robe like he would like you know pull pull the robe up and and like you know stick his bum out which would be wearing a pair of saltire boxer shorts <laughs> that's completely absurd and there's also like nobody around to see this except for all of the people on the tour so there wasn't like you know it wasn't like a busy street or anything there's all the people on the tour and I just remember it being like sort of sometimes it would be okay and sometimes it would kind of make me laugh and just think god like isn't life crazy um isn't edinburgh crazy and this just this little uh, routine every day on my way home and then sometimes i just be like oh god can i not just walk along the street and i'm actually getting mooned by this like same stranger every day it seems like an absurd thing to be annoyed about doesn't it but it was really annoying after it had been going on for so long and i did eventually just change my route home and started going a different way um 
and I'll never know who the vampire was or indeed the uh, the little hairy monk uh, on the on the guided tour but if you're listening hairy monk and uh, I don't even know what he was supposed to be some you know obviously the, the people were being told some sort of scary story when he he would jump out and they would all scream uh, but you know if you remember being a hairy monk on the cow gate and jumping out and uh, you know doing a like just incorporating a random pedestrian woman in your in your uh, in your little ghost tour act every day for a good while at least a month then you know that was me and uh, yeah it was fun good times man good times except just also just a bit annoying and yeah nobody's fault i guess but that's relevant i think to today's topic anyway um today's silent disco episode uh, sponsored by the collective rage of the citizens of edinburgh come to Edinburgh in August is to surrender yourself to chaos. You surrender yourself to the inevitable crowds, queues and delays and the busyness and the heightened atmosphere. To the people trying to hand you flyers and noise and people everywhere, um, congested pavements and traffic, slow public transport, all of those things. The silent disco walking tour has become a subject of uh, passionate speculation for the year-round residents of Edinburgh. A group of people wend their way around the old town, blocking pavements, crossing roads and wearing headphones, dancing in unison to disco pop classics and often singing along too. So much is it understood uh, as a shorthand that when someone I know was very late for a group meeting last year, their breathless apology in the form of the words silent disco was immediately accepted by all present without need for explanation. Silent disco uh, is the stealer of time when you're trying to do anything, get places uh, in the city in August. Sure, it's a bit of fun for those involved. When I was working from a space myself in the Edinburgh Central Library last year, I would often encounter them. Every day, a fresh group of happy discoers were thrilled at the novelty of breaking social norms and marching legion through the streets, doing the arm actions to YMCA, singing along to music that other pedestrians couldn't hear. It, it brought a smile to my face on several occasions to see it. Um, the fact that they were a large group on pavements built to often barely accommodate a single file and that their route included some of the more popular tourist hotspots of the old town of Edinburgh, including those of Harry Potter pilgrimages and tours and knots of selfie takers outside particular spots, uh, just, it just seemed reckless beyond belief uh, to have to have that many people touring past these places. Uh, but then, didn't a city the size of Edinburgh cramming in an extra maybe half a million people also seem that way? A bit reckless? Group after group of people participating in a silly, slightly crazy, fun experience. 
uh, one that they'll probably never forget. Uh, giving in to the moment and letting their hair down because everyone else in the group was doing it, you know, following the leader, uh, so why not? But then there were also a large group of disco dancing revellers occupying already congested pavements, halting traffic as they caterpillared along. It could be very annoying to encounter them on a time-sensitive journey and in in a way that no errands were allowed to be time-sensitive out there in the festival season. To be irritated by such revels was to be churlish, a grump and a spoil sport. After all, those people are only are they only going to do this once. They weren't responsible for blocking the street day after day or crowding you as you're trying to eat your sandwich on a bench. The tour guides try to manage the discourse uh, for minimum disruption, but there's only so much you can manage a group of enthusiastic people high on the endorphins of disco in a festival city having the time of their lives. So we all have to bend a little and smile indulgently, try to be in less of a hurry. And I think that is a metaphor that fits the festival and the people of Edinburgh, uh, especially because it can't be justified, uh, the silent disco tour, as as a worthy, groundbreaking, world-leading culture, world-class performance. It's just a bit of a laugh. Most people wouldn't understand or care to be honest, if you tried to justify the takeover of a whole city by saying it was an important platform for culture and art, but they would have a hard time crushing the dreams of the disco train. But silent disco has provoked real concern, including planned investigation by the council uh, as something that could endanger people by enforcing them to step, forcing them to step into traffic during busy times of day. Um, and they do take place at busy times of day throughout throughout the festival month. It has provoked real anger and resentment for the disruption it caused to areas of the old town that were already under significant pressure, with pavements being unusable and impassable while they are on them, and traffic being disrupted. Businesses losing out on the foot traffic of genuine customers who are avoiding their patch due to the approaching silent disco tour. And there have been calls to ban silent discos also uh, due to noise, including one man who said that the silent disco tour stopped every day to belt out the chorus of Don't Stop Believing by Journey right outside his window. And there's a war waging within the silent disco community itself too, as the year-round operator of silent discos in Edinburgh, Silent Adventures, has hit out at opportunist uh, Aravist silent disco tours, which pop up during August and then fuck off when the crowds have gone, bringing disorder and chaos to the streets and then leaving them with a bad rep at the end of it all. Um, And, yeah, understandable, but, I mean, it's, it's a... Yeah, there's there's a there's a bigger picture to it, especially after last year when footage of another silent disco operator um, emerged online showing them dancing around a man who was homeless, and that provoked further anger from residents about silent disco. But incidents like that aside, why do people have such strong feelings about silent disco? Why the intensity of feeling about it? 
Well, here's a theory, a hot take if you will. Silent discos represent a breach in the social contract, a final straw, if you will, in the tension between residents and workers in the city and visitors. And the reason silent discos and their proliferation during peak tourist season enrages the citizens of Edinburgh so much is kind of the same situation which goes on with the festivals in the city too. Bear with me. So... The citizens of Edinburgh are given to understand that there will be cultural festivals going on here in August every year. We've accepted it. Uh, There will be disruption. There will be lots of people. Things will be difficult in various ways, but overall it will be good for us. Uh, We need to trust in the festivals and their fringe activities and everything that they bring, the tourism and the other things. and and allow it to grow and we need to trust also in our city authorities, the council, to manage things for us and keep them safe and to regulate them so that we get the balance that we need to keep everything, you know, safe and on an even keel and just operable. We need to put up with it and keep smiling and be grateful. And then suddenly there's this chaotic force which seemingly beyond all sense cannot be stopped, cannot be checked, can't be regulated by the council uh, because the silent disco tours don't need a licence, they don't have premises and they operate completely out with council regulation. And because our city, so our, our city is commercially attractive to this force of silent disco, it's found a way around all in any forms of, of regulation and operates outside of it in a way. It operates outside of the social contract that we all agree to. So we all abide by rules, but they don't. And suddenly people find themselves having to step into traffic so that people can disco dance along the roads and the pavements that they pay for and be swamped by them while trying to run an errand. Uh, They're singing outside your office window. They're operating without impunity anywhere and any time they want. And they're not world-class culture. They're not supporting local businesses. The rules aren't working anymore. And silent discos make people feel like the entire fabric of society is breaking down, a, a chaotic force rampaging through the city, like like a mob, really, you know, and they outnumber us physically through the sheer mass of bodies uh, involved, you know, and, and we, the public, are not allowed to have mass gatherings that travel on foot through cities without getting permission from the council and the police, even to protest for our democratic rights. The trust that we have to put into in society uh, for everyone to get along together, that trust feels betrayed by this chaotic, anarchic force. 
And whilst I believe that silent discos are great fun and their slight feeling of anarchy is part of that, I don't really understand why the clogged up and congested streets of Edinburgh in August are considered a good place to have them. I personally wouldn't go on a silent disco tour because I think I'd be just wondering the whole time if an Edinburgh citizen might reach their last straw that day and go postal and stab someone with a sharpened fake skein do from one of the tartan tat shops because he'd heard Don't Stop Believing one too many times. And our experiences of the streets are different from, from theirs, you know, from visitors. We walk along them on dark frosty mornings when there's nobody else around slipping on ice trying to get to work on time face first into horizontal rain and wind heading to the warmth of a favourite coffee shop that we exchange words and money and hot drinks with every day we have earned these streets and we share them with others willingly and we feel that that shouldn't be abused and that's the feeling in microcosm I think that we can sometimes have in Edinburgh that people are running roughshod over our rights in order to make a profit any way they can, like cowboys, opportunists, just trying to make a quick buck before regulation catches up with them, and then leave whatever sorry situation behind. Airbnb, the fringes commercial venues, pushing us off a pavement, fracturing the already fragile sense of community that we have, you know, and then we, when, we're, when we're in a situation where we have meetings, secret meetings going on between some of these forces and the very civic organisation, the council, who's supposed to be managing and regulating things for us, yeah, the, the, the feeling of trust, it, it, it breaks down. It breaks down sometimes. In a piece by Edinburgh Live last year, uh, increasing people complaining about silent disco wankers blocking Edinburgh streets. I will uh, I will link it in the show notes. Online complaints to Edinburgh Council and the police have soared during the Edinburgh Fringe. Will it lead to a ban? Well, that's yet to be seen. But I mean, some of the things that people were, were saying. Uh, Jake Orr on Twitter, JKO, um, if I run into the silent disco at Edinburgh Fringe one more time, I cannot be held accountable for my actions, Edinburgh. Sorry, not sorry. Someone else saying, uh, a Londoner, a tweet by a Londoner, Steve Duncan Rice, said, I may have only been at the Edinburgh Fringe for 24 hours, but my hatred of silent disco feels as ancient and strong as the foundations of the earth. And another tweet in the same vein says, I'm not saying the walking silent disco is the worst thing to happen to Edinburgh, I'm saying it's the worst thing to happen to the world. Another unnamed in the, in the piece local tweeted, at 10, it's 10.15pm 10, and the 10th silent disco of the day outside my house. If folk want to make an arse of themselves, could there not be a more appropriate place for them to do it than the World Heritage Site? Yes, indeed. And uh, so, you know, it's locals and visitors that were that were complaining about it on Twitter. Then in October, 
with barely a, this was last year, 2019, uh, with barely a chance to breathe after the last year's festivals, which were the biggest and most overly uh, inflated ever. Uh, we had an announcement that silent discos were going to be happening daily at the Christmas Edinburgh Christmas Market. Somebody uh, was quoted as saying, those silent disco wankers are going to end up flung over Waverley Bridge. Um, and while uh, banning silent discos has been discussed and touted, uh, it, it doesn't seem to be on the cards. It doesn't seem that Edinburgh Council have got any intention of trying to ban them and possibly because there's no existing precedent for it but they have been banned in other cities in Lausanne and in Switzerland and also in Austria they have banned silent discos uh, because of the nuisance that they caused but uh, it appears that we're going with a the sort of soft regulatory approach here um, and and you know as far as we're aware there's no you know there, there's no silent discos operating in the streets now that there's nobody around and you, you, you wouldn't expect that there's that there's silent discos happening now. So uh, anyway, si- silent discos. You know, I think that they we can we can learn a lot through through just why why are they so annoying to people? I think that even though people see them as fun, it's we don't want to stop people from enjoying themselves. But it's it's where and how they do that and the way in which it just presses a lot of buttons it, it, it presses on a lot of sore points um, and, and one a valid criticism that I've seen of them as well is that yes they're noisy, they're supposed to be silent but they're, they're not, they're noisy because people are singing along and this is in a city where our year round musical venue infrastructure has been decimated by noise complaints and yet uh, people listening to disco hits on headphones walking around the city are presumably because of they're not in a brick brick and mortar establishment are, are free from that from that rule so yeah, I mean, I'd love to know what people think about silent disco now, and whether you maybe you miss it now that the city's so quiet, or maybe you'd be quite happy to never see it happen again. You know, couldn't we just have it out of town somewhere, somewhere not right in the centre of, of town? Uh, there's there's a lot of eminently sensible ways that we could we could deal with the scourge of silent disco, but I think it's an instructive example of ways that uh, the citizens of Edinburgh's patience gets tested by things that you know seemingly nobody's nobody's really responsible for and that whole that whole feeling of of cowboys just coming to to profit off of the 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 punters in in ways that you know that we could never have envisaged and that 
our regulatory systems that help to balance things can't can't keep up with. They can't move fast enough for. Uh, another thing that's been uh, pointed out in recent months uh, is that the a lot of Airbnb operators, of which we have the highest concentration in Scotland here in Edinburgh, and a higher concentration per uh, geographical area and head of population than London or Paris, which is absolutely staggering. Uh, higher concentration than London or Paris. Uh, but our Airbnb operators are also just able to set up unregulated tours and so-called experiences which they can sell. And they, uh, you know, anybody can do it, really. And, and when there's no framework or there's no particular trend to hang on to, such as silent discos, uh, then you know people are not necessarily taking the risk and, and trying to set up these enterprises, but uh, with Airbnb uh, as a platform actively encouraging people who run Airbnb properties to set up tours and, and experiences for for, the, for for people, not just people staying in their properties, by the way, this is open to anyone, and then them advertising it through this huge platform of Airbnb. Uh, so when you go on Airbnb, for example, and, and book a property to stay in uh, anywhere, but let's just say in Edinburgh, Airbnb will then suggest to you all kinds of different tours and, and local experiences, guided tours that you can pay to go on. The idea being that they would be run by locals and you would get a bit of a local flavour of a local area. Uh, you could see how that could really become a problem when we have such a absolute massive saturation of Airbnb properties in the city and that's something that the council have at least taken serious steps towards regulating. Although, as I said in earlier episodes, nothing has happened yet. So there is a real sense that, you know, nothing has been done, and there hasn't been any there hasn't been any action taken to improve things there, uh, other than discussion. But anyway, you know, Airbnb and uh, and silent disco. And all these, all these things that the people of Edinburgh are, are uh, you know, getting getting annoyed about ad nauseum on a on a daily basis throughout the summer. Uh, it's starting to spread throughout the, the the rest of the year too, and that's an important thing to notice. You know, we've really noticed much more tourism in the gaps in between. Much more tourism before the festivals begin. After the festivals finish, there's always this massive lull, but there's still there's still tourists about. And last year, uh, it was noticeable that in September there were still tourists around. When normally, it's like a ghost town for the first week in September. Uh, and uh, you know, it, the, the city is just totally so empty and and so unlively like lots of people local businesses having had a very busy time over over august will be taking that time off and things will be closed
and this episode seemed like a good opportunity to mention some of the other situations that we've now seen happening which um in this year 2020 no festivals have taken place in august but we've heard that the winter festivals are going ahead and if you were listening to the episode where i first heard about that which i believe is the 14th of 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 august episode uh there will be the announcement was that the winter festivals were to go ahead which means that presumably there's some sort of data and intelligence being referred to that would suggest that it will be safe for people to be uh, coming into spaces together and and that it's and that it's advisable that we encourage people to their homes and and travel into the city where there will be a lot of other people and are presumably there to attracted by this event when, when you look at the detail you see that the hogmanay street party has been cancelled so that's not happening there, there won't be any live music there won't be a street party and um, there won't be any of that going on i don't know if they're thinking about having fireworks there was certainly uh, news news pieces talking about how we need you know making making sure that there's no informal gatherings of, of people for Hogmanay which just seems like mind-blowing doesn't it like that we, we have we're gonna have regulation and clamp down on informal gatherings of people outdoors for Hogmanay which was what Hogmanay celebrations in Scotland originally were. They were in people's houses or maybe in church halls and community spaces and you know sometimes outside if there was if there was something going on outside. Um, most of the time because it's winter people wouldn't necessarily be outside but they would be having informal self-organized gatherings. Hogmanay would be bigger than Christmas and now we're in a situation where Hogmanay is cancelled the street party is cancelled and the there's going to be a clamp down on informal gatherings of people in public and yet yeah, silent discos <laughs> silent discos are allowed to happen well we can't stop them we, there's no way how can we stop a silent disco it doesn't fit in with any of the licensing framework and the christmas markets will be going ahead and they will be for safety reasons apparently taking over the you know most of the large commercial streets long commercial streets of, of edinburgh the shopping streets such as george street and that's being allowed to go ahead and so you know at this point in the month like i said at the start of the podcast this would be we'd be getting to the, the middle of the week peak frustration about um all the disruption going on probably getting to the end of our rope really in terms of you know and people in the, in the city center either living here or working here we would be you know really just frayed frayed around the edges with with all with everything the bombardment of of uh, of the city and we would be looking forward to these things stopping and going away like really genuinely you know 
and we would have we would have put in a lot of you know patience self-control and you know told ourselves all the positives about the festivals and uh, but this i think i think that this point midweek in the last week is is the point at which the tempers really start to get frayed and uh, thinking about the future of festivals and the fact that there's been this massive acknowledgement amongst Edinburgh's festivals in August and, and, and other global events and, and just the events industry and festivals the world over that things will have to change in the future and be different in the future. Well, does it really feel like the differences are the right differences when what we're having is the priority being seen to be let's have these Christmas markets, these generic imported Christmas markets where we have five or six stalls, maybe the same vendor. Uh, and, and, you know, these are built by a commercial company and they, you know, they're a large commercial operation. They're not feeding anything into the city's economy and they're not supporting creatives in the city. There's no overlap whatsoever. The jobs, so-called jobs created are very temporary, poorly paid, precarious jobs with bad working conditions and uh, no job security, you know, zero hours contracts and, uh, you know, these are not the right changes that we need to be happening and and we need to see uh, people putting their money where their mouth is and if things are going to be different in the future then well how does you know how does how do the so-called winter festivals which are just a christmas market with some rides and apparently the the the, the ice skating rink now i was talking about this with someone the other day and they made the very good point that hadn't even occurred to me is how is the ice skating rink going to work in the age of covid19 uh, how are you going to share like skates with people and you know all that all that stuff you know putting on you, you, you hire skates to go skating on a small ice rink with a lot of other people like what how, how's that going to work and and the ice skating rink had been stopped in the past like the reason that it hadn't happened before um was because businesses in the perimeter of where the of St Andrew's Square had been complaining that it was impacting on their business. So for the ice skating rink to come back, that's which has been announced uh, in in a time where it's not really like appropriate for people to be, you know, sharing footwear. Uh, we're having a global pandemic here and. It's also very, very expensive, the ice rink. And a lot of the issues that I've had in the past, before any of the you know, the, the COVID-19 situation, with the Christmas market was that if you've got children, of course they're going to want to come and visit all the Christmas excitement in the city. And it's their city too, and, and they live here. And then a lot of the stuff is too expensive for people to be able to afford and for people to be able to bring their children and for their children to so their children are just going to be 
shut out of this expensive commercial Christmas uh, in the centre of town. There's always like things put forth as you know, oh, these are the affordable options, and for for people that you know might want to bring children and don't have a lot of spare money, but they're not affordable by most people's sense of the word affordable. And also, children don't understand, you know, oh well, these are the things that you're allowed to do, and then these are these. Here's these other fun things going on. Here's these other rides and attractions and things that you're not allowed to take part in. Um, because they cost too much. So, yeah, I think that, you know, when, when I'm thinking about coming towards the end of this podcast series and thinking about the changes that need to happen in the future, I, I don't see that the the festivals, one, the, the winter festivals, as they're being called, going ahead is at all representing that the changes that need to happen. And that the wrong things are being prioritised and that there's been no time being allowed to to really think about this and to consult people about what they want. As usual, it's just been presented as a fait accompli, like, well, this is what's happening, by the way, everyone. And I really don't even... I don't even see how it would be possible to predict what the situation is going to be because uh, with COVID and an infection and safety for people because we don't know we don't know enough about whether that's going to be safe Uh, but I guess that if there's one thing that can override all of these things well it's big fat bags of money isn't it Well, on that note, I will be going now and I'll be back tomorrow with another podcast. But until then, please take care and I'll see you then.